Welcome back to Do You Know Who I Am? I'm your host, Patty Lane. Everyone has a story to tell. And in today's episode, we bring you an update on a San Diego woman who found a unique way to reach her 60th birthday by hitting the trails. Lori Brooks decided she would do 60 hikes in a year. And when we last spoke to her, she had well exceeded that number and was nearing her new goal of 180 hikes. That last hike took place on her birthday on a mountaintop in Peru, overlooking the Rainbow Mountains. And while she started hiking out for her health, Lori says it ended up being a healing journey as well after the loss of a close friend. I joined Lori for a short hike at Los Penasquitas Canyon Preserve in San Diego, where she tells us what it was like reaching her goal and what's next. Let's get started. Why don't you tell me a little, just kind of give me a quick recap of your 6060 journey, what it was about and why you did it. Right before I turned 59, I was out on um, a solo hike in Death Valley and I, I had a realization that I was not in great shape even though I thought I was in great shape. And somewhere between that hike in Death Valley and my birthday, I came up with this idea, a simple idea, just to hike my way to 60. And because I'm, you know, a marketing creative person, I had to come up with a name. So I called it the 60-60 journey. And I started hiking really for health, for cardio, to set myself up for this next chapter in my life for, you know, as long as I may be living, I, I wanted to do it in a healthy way and I wanted to be able to hike, you know, to the end, whatever the end is. Talk to me a little bit about your goal of 60 and how that changed. I now understand runner's high because I was getting hiker's high. I just got on this really incredible mission. Like I wanted to get up and go hiking all the time. And so I did. And then what happened is four and a half months later, I completed my numeric goal of 60 hikes. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm an overachiever. And I very, felt very accomplished. However, I didn't turn 60 yet. So, this is all in my mind. Yeah, I didn't say anything out loud yet because you know when you say something out loud, then got to do it. <laughs> so I decided, oh well, maybe I'll just double the goal. And then I decided to even go one step further and triple the goal to 180 hikes. And I'm I'm a sucker for metaphors. So there, you know, there were things in my life that I wanted to change. One of them was health, and that was already happening. And 180 represented a uh, 180 degree turnaround for my life in whatever that would look like at, at the end or as an, as an evolution of my, you know, of my life and my journey. How many times a week would you say that you were out hiking? Uh, four to five. My life became a full-time job of hiking. <laughs> I happened to be blessed with a self-employment situation where I can do my work in the evening or or in, in my case a lot of uh, work just slipped away it allowed me to have this freedom to do this journey and I just thought well I'll just worry <laughs> I'll just worry about 
money next year <laughs> and take care of my health because that's really what's more important. Your last hike was in the Rainbow Mountains of Peru. That was your 180th hike on your 60th birthday. I've seen the video and it's very moving of you coming up over that hill. Come on, Lori. Come on. Coming. Catch your breath first. <laughs> what was that like for you? Whew. Well, so it was four hikes to get there. I, it was a four-day trek through some of the, the most beautiful, I'm just going to say the most beautiful place I've ever been and experienced in my life to date. The day before the, you know, the birth, I'm going to call it the celebration hike, it's, it <laughs> rained, it hailed, it thundered, it lightning, and it snowed. And... That meant it was highly possible that I would not be seeing the Rainbow Mountains in their full glory. And I had to get okay with that. So I had a, a whole night to, you know, be at peace with, okay, so it's not always about that destination. And, and it was and it wasn't. So the next morning, we were on the trail by 5.30. And that was after my trail cook had made me a birthday cake. So I was already like in a really emotional place. Well, wait a minute. Your, your, your trail cook made it in the middle of nowhere. He made in the middle of, yeah, in the, 20, 20, I don't know, where were we? 20, maybe 30 miles in from nowhere in, in the Andes, in the middle of the Andes, on private Peruvian land, sleeping with llamas and alpacas. And my uh, Antonio makes this birthday cake that was beautiful <laughs> and he made it the night before and it was decorated and it had this beautiful strawberry on top that was butterflied and and then they sang me birthday in English with their broken you know Spanish flair and yeah I, I, I lost it <laughs> okay guys happy birthday to you happy birthday That was just, I don't know, that was the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of my day. So that hike consisted of two over 17,000 foot passes, which when you're already out there in 13 to 15 or 16, I, I don't know, it just it sort of didn't seem like a big deal. But now I, I, know, I really know it was. I also really know it was because my son-in-law took the video of me coming up that hill, which I thought, oh, I did that, like, really easily. <laughs> the video says otherwise. But I did it, and it, <laughs> I, I got up to the top, and the, the, the mountain was shrouded a little bit in clouds, and it, didn't, it just didn't matter. And my poles dropped. You can hear them clanking on the video. It's like, mic drop. It's pole drop. And... And then my, my guide, Efrain, he was a, a wonderful cheerleader. You could hear him on the video saying, I'm getting goosebumps right now, talking about it. He says, you can do it, Lori. This is easy for you. And then 
we got up there and we my my son was up there my son-in-law and the clouds parted i'm not kidding and the, the mountain revealed itself and Ephraim says this is our karma familia so we had you know given given blessings to pachamama along the way and done all those uh, traditional peruvian uh ceremonies and this was our reward and you know you had to be there <laughs> and there was just a little bit of snow sort of dusting the right side of the mountain from a photographer's perspective you know all of those little nuances are beautiful and wonderful so there was nothing diminished in the weather from that you know from my perspective that must have been an overwhelming feeling for you it, it was. I was speechless, really. You can see that on the video. I'm talking to my son, and I'm pointing out the mountains, and I'm just saying, yeah, it was a lot to take in. And not just the view, your accomplishment. Right, it was everything. Is there one unintended consequence that you came across that just stands out to you? You know, the still, I think the... The biggest one was the, the, the realization that I had been healed from, a, you know, a, the, loss, the loss of someone. And I'm pretty sure, and, and, and the studies that you read about hiking and the brain and, and the body and the heart really came from being out on the trail. Did you feel... I know this was a very close person, a uh, friend of yours and your son's. Yeah. Did you feel that up there in Peru? <sighs> you know, I, oh, that's funny you asked that. We, we all feel he, his presence, you know, I'm not going to say all the time now because it's been five years, but we f still feel it a lot. And the... Sort of the, the magicalness and how, you know, the clouds parting and just how, how, how s absolutely safe and injury free and, um, you know, things couldn't have been really more perfect. Uh, that that presence is is part of, you know, we feel is very part of the mm -hmm. spiritual process that. Almost like we're being watched over. And and it's so interesting because the three of us who went uh, were the three people closest to the um, his, his his leaving us. Mostly my son and son-in-law were the, the closest because he actually died in their home while they were away. So imagine, right? <sighs> Well, it's like that mountain waited for you to get there, opening the clouds and letting you in. And, you know, my, my son and son-in-law, you know, they had not been training like I did. And so for all intent and purposes, they ha should have had way more struggle and difficulty. Mm -hmm. and, and they did it. I mean, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> The seventh, this 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 idea of being at 17, I think we're at the highest 17,300, is only 200 feet lower than one of the base camps at Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. Everyone talks about 
you know, Mount Everest Base Camp. We were there. We did that. <laughs> it's funny how um, how a place like Vinicunca, which is Rainbow Mountains in Peru, and the Ausangate Mountain Range can totally shift or has shifted my perspective about things that are in my own backyard. Mm. Yeah. Now the wanderlust has been, the ante has been upped. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you about the transition coming home. After you do 180 hikes, you're leaving Peru and you come home. What goes through your mind? Was there a transition period for you? There was a little bit of a panic when after I did my last hike and came home and finally you know got rid of the jet lag and and <clears throat> just the enormity of completing the goal and then of course where I completed it and it was a, a little kind of depressing like oh now I'm I'm back to some sort of reality <laughs> but it's all good. I had at least two weeks of probably a combination of jet lag. I also got sick the last two days I was in Peru from, sadly, eating some Peruvian food. And I, any time in my life I've gone away and done something that's sort of soul expanding, there's always this this lag between, I call it, your... Um, your body, your physical body catching up with your soul because your soul has grown, but your body's still very, you know, dense matter. And so there was some of that too. And I was just super tired. I actually thought something was wrong with me. (laughs) But in talking to people about just travel like that, like long distance travel, plus uh, there is a thing, a reverse acclimatizing thing happening, coming back to sea level, which I didn't know. Makes sense. But then, after I was finally feeling physically better, I was goalless. It's like, oh my God, I don't have a, I don't have a goal anymore. The now what moment? Yes, and there, there was like the ground felt a little shaky around that. Plus, I hadn't, I didn't hike for two weeks. I was completely just done, you know. Not done with hiking, but just my body needed that uh, recuperation time. So somebody said to me, well, pick your next, just pick your next adventure and then have that be out there as your carrot. So I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, I have, I have something. <laughs> so the conversations with myself are amazing. And uh, what I had, and this I had been been on my radar for a few years even before the journey just from a photographic standpoint there's a, a heart-shaped cutout in the Italian Dolomites and it's not even that high of an elevation I know this sounds really snooty now so I'm like an elevation snob so it's like 10,000 feet so I've been at 17 I'm like I could do that the difference is it's it's not really a route and I'm in pretty heavy heavy uh, research on getting uh, a guide to lead me up to it's called El Cor meaning the heart in Italian and uh, so that's my carrot right now (laughs) yeah it's stunning looking 
there, it's not an official route, which, you know, I'm, I kind of like that. And uh, it would involve, you know, a lot of trust and faith in, a, you know, a person or a company in another country, mm-hmm. much like I did in Peru. And then just the logistics, because, um, you know, I want, I want to hike there. It's a partially, there's going to be some ropes involved, not full on climbing, unless I can actually get someone to hike me <laughs> into the heart. It's, it's enormous. And I've seen the photos, so I get it would be more of a technical exercise. <laughs> so tell um, me why the heart? Well, I have a, I've had a project for a number of years called the Gathering Hearts Project and it's it's a little bit of a deep subject. I created it as a public awareness uh, medium to end uh, domestic violence and crimes against, you know, sexual crimes against, um, well, anyone. So the idea with that project was I kept getting Photographically, I was taking pictures. Hearts would just appear everywhere, organically. Um, puddles of water in a shovel. That's the first one I took. It was a heart shape. And then I just had this epiphany about, well, what, do I, what, is this, oh, what does this mean? Because <laughs> I think there's meaning in everything. My mind is very busy. So I created the Gathering Hearts Project, and the idea was to ask people who have been victims of victims and survivors of those kinds of crimes to send me their hearts, meaning their symbolic hearts. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to put them together in a mosaic and travel across the country and the world talking about, you know, the aware, you know, making, uh, making this an awareness project and basically gathering hearts to heal hearts. Mm. So they would tell me their story, and of course there could have been a book involved. And But um, but something you felt really passionate about. I did, and sometimes, you know, like you don't know how or when a, a project or a business or a product will, you know, how, do, how, does, how does it get discovered? You know, how does it become a thing? You know, is it timing? Is it money? So anyway, it, it didn't get it didn't get the legs that I wanted, and um, it's it sits on a shelf uh, on Facebook, and people still send me their their hearts. In fact, I got one this morning from a 12-year-old girl who made one out of uh, puzzle pieces. So anyway, I have an affinity for the heart shapes and. That would be like the most amazing one ever. I don't know if you could top yeah. it. So who knows, right? I have had that attraction for that spot for a while, and that was before I did any hiking. So this whole year, I'm getting an epiphany right now that maybe this has been the, you know, the steps necessary, the miles to get me to open that door to that particular hike. As you can imagine, Lori's story has been motivation for many, and she plans on writing a book about her 60-60 journey. 
Her hiking has taken her to 10 national parks, four national monuments, five states in New Zealand, ending with her final trek in Peru's Rainbow Mountains on her 60th birthday. You can follow Lori as she plans her next journey on Instagram at Lori Brooks. That's L-O-R-I-B-R-O-O-K-E-S. We appreciate your support and hope you subscribe. That's how you get our latest episode. And if you have a moment, leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Patty Lane. Thanks for listening to Do You Know Who I Am? Remember, everyone has a story to tell. You just have to be willing to listen. Listen.